Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity that we have this morning to gather together as family, um, as church, as followers of Jesus together. We just ask that um, you just raise our expectancy of what can happen this morning. The, uh, just draw us together, have there to be a unity and a sense of your love and your grace that is tangible, that's palpable, that's evidence that we can feel your embrace this morning, that through today's conversations and teachings and time together, that each of us feel closer to one another and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, we have a ton of people out of town this morning, so it's a little uh, different, but I, I want to talk about um, a spiritual discipline this morning. We've been doing these spiritual disciplines the last couple years about every other Sunday, um, not every other Sunday, what am I, but every six to seven weeks uh, we'll do one to give us time to practice it and uh, have a chance at figuring out what's going on. Uh, we haven't done uh, one on uh, like a community discipline, something that re requires, it's a discipline for all of us. And so that's what I'm diving into today and looked at a lot this week. Uh, celebration of discipline is where I've gotten a lot of the, con the content for today. Um, it's Richard J. Foster's book. It's been around forever. Hogan gave it to me, lent it to me, and then I have yet to lend it back. That's where your copy is if you're looking for it. It's still at my house. Um, but I want to talk about the discipline of worship today. I mean, if we're followers of Jesus, if we're disciples, it's there's something about, there's an action, There's we're trying to... Uh, take his example and live our life differently. Um, and we've gone through many different uh, disciplines that involve us, whether inward or outward in the past. But this one is a, a discipline that, that is us together that something happens. Um, it's something that we'll, we'll need to practice, we need to work on it together. But it's a way that when we do this, when we live this way, when we practice this, when we get good at it, it, it brings a different flavor of Jesus. It brings a better picture of divine, of God among us that we can live out then and have together. And so um, it's in, these community-wide ones, these communal disciplines are, are so much more important, but they almost revolve around the personal ones as well. Now, have you ever been to a concert? I remember I, uh, uh, I have not been to many paid concerts in my life, I'll just say that. And if it was more than $10 for a ticket, I, I probably was not there. I love music. If you can sneak me in the back door, that's one thing, but there's a price tag on it. If it's more than 10, it's really hard for me to show up. Uh, but I've gone to a couple, and one well, one that I'm using as an example this morning was actually free, is why I was there. So uh, Amy had liked the Smashing Pumpkins and had gone to a couple shows and told me how great these shows are. And they come to Minneapolis like 15 years ago and decided to do a free concert uh, in this parking lot uh, right downtown. And so we decide we're going to this. Um, I dress all up, which means this. worse than this. Like, <laughs> I think I had a fishnet shirt on. It was back in the day when punk rock was, oh yeah, come on, man. Like I was living it up. I should have brought the picture as well, but I was so anticipating this show because there was thousands of people there, there and we showed up early because we wanted to get as close to the stage as we could, and it's free, so it's 
just first come, first serve. And so we showed up really early and we're still pretty far away, but close enough where it was just it was just right. But the expectation those few hours ahead of time were palpable. You could tell that people were excited that something was happening. You could feel it in the air. Like they, there was a, a joy, anticipation, an excitement of looking for something. Now I also went to a peaceful protest one time. And at this peaceful protest, uh, there was so much hurt in the air that the anger and the pain and it was, you could feel it. You could feel it showing up. And as a matter of how much they wanted to be peaceful, you, you could just tell the aggression that was building because there was so much, uh, it, it fed off of one another. There's not one person who shows up that turns it into this. It's, it's, it's groupthink. It's something that you, you gain from one another. Have you ever been camping? I'm a huge camper. And uh, I love being in the woods. And when you have dry, really good wood, it, it just, there's just nothing to get a fire started. But when it's raining out and you've got to like search under things and try to find wet wood or mossy wood or crappy wood to use, like it's harder, but still, if you get enough of it together and get that fire going, it still turns into something, no matter how bad, how wet, how rotten this wood was at the beginning. If you get these embers together and you get something going, a fire gets started and it fuels itself. And once it's going, it doesn't matter how wet of a log you stick on, that thing's going to burn. It's going to be just fine you're going to keep going. Well, the same kind of applies to this spiritual discipline of worship together. Now, a lot of times we hear the word worship and we think music instantly. Well, music is a pathway to worshiping God, but it's not worship in itself when we think about it. When the Bible describes worship, the, the Greek word that's used in the New Testament actually is defined as like laying prostrate, this awe and reverence, this emotional attitude that just is in wonder of how amazing God is. Now, we can easily cultivate this in our own personal life, find a way. And it's a way to get to the, the corporate, this, this unity together having it. But what if all of us were in this place? What if all of us were in this place of awe and reverence together? What if all of us came anticipating, expecting? What if all of us took this discipline into heart and really did practice it the next six weeks, seven weeks till we hit another discipline? What could Bloom look like if we practiced this discipline, this this chance of following Jesus together in a certain way that would build an atmosphere on Sundays that we could sense God even more. Where we expected healing to happen when we showed up here. We expected unity to flow, that there was just something going on because of this. I want to start with a... Um, oh yeah, if you're new, here's kind of what to expect. We do discussion-based teaching, so think of something comes into your mind, we'll be discussing it after this in a little bit. And we do prayer circles at the end just to get you ready for, for that. It's a great time to live this out. Actually, we'll talk about it a little bit today. But I have this quote I want to start with by William Temple. He says, to worship is to quicken the conscience by holiness, by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God. This opening ourselves to more, to something deeper, to something going on. And this Richard Foster, who wrote the Celebration of Discipline, says to worship is to, to experience reality. 
to touch life like we haven't before. It's to know, to feel, to experience the resurrected Christ Jesus in the midst of gathered community. It's a breaking into the glory of God, or better yet, being invaded by the glory of God. There's something about experiencing God together. Jesus says, whenever there's two or three gathered in my name, I'm there among you. Now, he's always fused to our spirit. He's always with us, but there's something greater. There's, there's an among you that happens that's more than just him always being with us. That happens when two or three of us are together. If we're hanging out at one of your houses or at a ball game, or if we're coming on a Sunday gathering, a worship gathering, this entire gathering is worship together. It's leading us to this place of awe and reverence and experiencing life. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly to experience the living Jesus Christ in our own lives, the liberating king to be freed by everything he stands for, to experience his grace, his acceptance, his love in a way that overflows from us and will spill out into others. When we look at the scriptures, when, it, when we're talking about worship, if we go to, go to the New Testament especially, we see this, this lifestyle of worship that seems to permeate their everyday life. This, the, everything about their community is living this out. It's, um, it's this perpetual inward listening, this, this silence, this source of words, source of action, source of life, of what we're doing, where it's coming from, what's going on. Jesus even himself said, what I do is not of my own self. I hear from the Father and then I decide to do it. He gives me wisdom and I answer and I choose. And it's the same for us. We tap into this divine source. But do we do it together on a Sunday morning? If a Sunday morning we show up and it just was like, ah, there just was nothing going on, is that the preacher's fault or the music team's fault or whoever was volunteering that morning or is it a little bit of all of us not coming together expecting looking for something more praying about what's going on tapping into God there's this closer connection with the divine that we should be walking out in life that we can take here on Sunday we should have been practicing it all week long it's kind of this this, uh, one of those things that fuels into itself we should be practicing the presence of Jesus throughout our daily weeks, but we should also be practicing it on Sunday, and the weekly will help the Sunday worship experience together, and the worship experience should feed into our everyday week, and it's just this, they're two separate practices, one together, one more alone as we walk out into our lives. If we long to go where God's going and do what he's doing, we're going to move into this deeper, more authentic lifestyle of worship. James, oh, and I forgot to put this back in, James 127 says real true religion and even some translations will say worship here but he says real true religion from God the Father's perspective is about caring for the orphans and the widows and those who suffer needlessly and it's resisting the evil influence on the world. Well this doesn't happen just by choice, this happens from living in this understanding of God's goodness, of how great he is, how much he loves you, realizing how much he's giving you this awe, this reverence, this lifestyle of worship that, that overflows then into something else. We can try to muster up energy to serve the poor and the orphans and take care of the widows, but it, it's, it's coming from our own energy. And, and in a life today that we're super busy and over, like we're just, it'll tap us out so fast if it's not coming from this lifestyle of worship. There's this pondering of God that we see, this desperate, this desperate need to see who God is, to meditate on his attributes, who he is, how much he loves us, how great and wonderful he is. 
This brings this awareness. This helps bring us into this place of a lifestyle of worship where we are in awe and reverence with God. Romans tells us to walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And Romans 12, 1, he tells us, he says, Brothers and sisters, in light of all that I've shared with you, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice to God, a sacred offering that brings pleasure. It's your reasonable and essential worship. There's something about living a life in a way that is just in awe of how amazing God is. Richard Foster says, My desire was to punctuate each minute of my life, every whisper uh, of adoration or praise or thanksgiving. He says, I often failed for hours, even days at a time, but each time I would come back and I would try again. And I would find something that would connect me. I would find something that would remind me that God is with me, how amazing he is, and of the things he's done. There's this pondering of how good God is. Do you know how good he is? Have you thought about how amazing the Father is? That takes us into this place of thankfulness where we start to see him and recognize him everywhere in our life and we live this life where we're just thankful and we notice the things he's doing and the connections he's making, the people he's graciously put in our lives that allows us to live differently. We praise God for who he is. We thank him for what he's done. And First Peter tells us that it brings us to this place of declaring the wonderful deeds of him who's called you out of darkness into marvelous light. And it's realizing that we are in this marvelous light. The Catholics like to use this phrase, may his face shine upon you. And it's not that he's turning away. It's more of that realization that his face is shining upon us. We just don't realize it. We forget. We, our mind gets so clouded, it puts almost this imaginary clouds up there that are separating us from the blue sky. Have you ever been in an airplane, no matter how crappy it is when you fly out of Minneapolis, all of a sudden once you get above the clouds, the sun's shining, everything's blue, and it's just like, oh, this is amazing. It's getting past your head, and everything that's going on, realizing it's always there. His face is always shining upon you. But this leads us to a place of worship. All these forms, all these ideas, all these ways of living life, we're having a worship gathering like this where the teaching is a sense of worship, but it's not worship in itself. Music is worship, but it also leads us to worship. We want to be led to a place of adoration. And it's participating in that together, that this, this communal discipline of worship says together we're coming to a place where we're anticipating more God. We're in awe and reverence together with him. We're leading ourselves into even a sacrifice of worship where we're offering up songs together that lead us into a place of more presence of God, more awareness of him, more awe of his goodness that we just get to take into our lives. Until God touches and frees our spirit, we can't even enter this place on our own. It's through singing, through praying, through praising, through thanks, that lead us to this place of a lifestyle of worship. But the worship is more than any of these things on its own. It's this, it really is this destination that we're on together. But it's each of us coming, wanting to do that, wanting to be ignited, wanting to add my log to the fire, my ember to what's going on, to build something more. Um, John 4, John 4.23 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. This verse comes after this moment where Jesus approaches this woman at the well and offers or asks her for a glass of water and the disciples are shocked that he's talking to this lady. She's a woman alone. She's not a Jew. She's a... Um, yeah, Samaritan. Thank you. For some reason I'm forgetting the word. And she brings it to Jesus. She's like, who are you to talk to me? Your people... Don't even say that we worship correctly. We're on the wrong hill, the wrong mountain. We're doing it wrong. We're worshiping incorrectly. Our forms are not the right forms. Like, why are you even talking to me? And Jesus answers with this. The time has now come where true worship is in spirit and truth. It's not in how we do the forms. It's letting the forms take us somewhere. Does this make sense? I feel like I'm too intense and not as light and easy about this. Do we ever come to church together and find this place where we're, we've been talking about this for like bringing something, like I'm coming but I'm bringing something as well, like a word to share during discussion, a hug for someone, a, a card, a thank you, a we're coming to share. Do we come anticipating that that I'm going to receive something, but I'm also going to give something. Do I walk into this room looking for, does there someone that looks like they need a hug? Is there someone that looks like they need me to sit next to them this morning? Is there someone that looks like they need me to be the hands and feet of Jesus for just a moment, to be that conduit, to bring them to someplace better? One reason that this, that the worship is considered a spiritual discipline, especially a community spiritual discipline, is because it's this ordered way of living our life that constantly sets us before God and what he's doing and just how great he is. It, it, it places us again by his feet, listening, just soaking in how good he is. Uh, there is this expectancy and this transformation that we see in the life of the New Testament church. This... It, this, this striking feature, if you look at when they're gathering together, when they're there, it's, it's this, this holy expectancy that they know God is going to move among them, and they're just waiting to see what happens today. But it's more than that. They believe that they would actually hear the voice of God, each and every one of them, uniquely, individually, that he would speak to them that morning, that he would touch them when they showed up. When more than two people come together together, there, there, there's a unifying that happens, a life joining. There's a spirit infusion that draws us closer together. This unity of the saints that we see New Testament authors talk about over and over and over, striving for It's this expectancy of looking for it that helps bring it together. And like I said in my example at the beginning, when people come expecting, when there's multiple people that show up expecting, the air is charged with something. You can feel it when you walk in a room. I know it's happened. Just the way you can feel when you walk into a house that someone just had a fight in. And it's like, holy cow. <laughs> like, everyone could be pretending that they're smiling. But you can feel the air. Like, we can feel the expectancy of, of us showing up together, together. Looking forward to God doing something, working among us. Um, and it's this spirit of unity that's so great that transcends our individualism. I don't show up for a church just for me, just so I get an entertaining message, just so that the music is just the way I want it to, so that it's the tune I always like to turn on that just taps me to God. No, it's, there's, it gets rid of the me 
and it becomes an us. Together, we're going to find God. Together, I want miracles to happen. Not just for me, I want everyone to hear just that whisper from God this morning. I want everyone to touch or experience his warm embrace. I want everyone to be able to find a way to connect with the divine during the music time. And it's giving freedom for that. It, yes, it's, it's uh, at moments we find people in silence finding God, and at times in prayer or meditation or singing, but we find something. And if we don't have a way, if it isn't silence for you that morning, then you join in song, because in song, together, something starts to happen that wasn't there. Scripture's called the sacrifice of praise. It's that sometimes it's saying, like, man, I just don't feel like it, but I'm going to help create this atmosphere, and I'm going to trust that either that feeling will come or, or the person sitting next to me is going to be blessed by this, that I'm a part of what's going on. You don't have to be having a guitar on your hip or a microphone in front of you to, to be a part of worship that morning, but every one of us needs to see ourselves as part of it because it's together that we find something, not fragmented off, not... This is the moment of trying it together. Now, I know during our week, some of us may find God in solitude outside, and so we'll be walking in nature or it's other things. But together, here we try together to find it. So if it is silence for you or if it is prayer or meditation, let that prayer or meditation or silence be for the group to find it and not just for yourself. And if it's not, then join together in song. Let's find something that we couldn't have alone. Thomas Kelly writes, I think I have this in here, yeah. A quickening presence pervades us, breaking down some part of the spiritual privacy and isolation of our individual lives, and it blends our spirits with a supernatural life and power. An objective, a dynamic presence enfolds all of us. It nourishes our souls. It speaks glad, unutterable comfort with us, and it quickens us in depths that have before been slumbering. It wakens something on the inside of each and every one of us if we come together. But this is that group practice, this group discipline, this group doing something together. How am I doing for time? Crap. Um, uh, I love the way the authors, like, when you read Christian authors talk about this, there's, you hear this like melting of separateness. It just is such a beautiful word picture. This melting of our individualism or our separateness and this becoming something united and together. No matter how different we are, how different our weeks have been, how different we like to worship together when we come on a Sunday morning or when we gather in homes or restaurants, when we're gathered in Jesus' name, something happens together for all of us. Um, and the, Richard Foster says, in the power of the one spirit, we become wrapped in a sense of unity in the presence such as that quiets words and enfolds us within an unspeakable calm and an interconnectedness of a life together. Um, let's go into steps into this since we're at this place. Uh, and I'm taking this completely from the book and just from the steps from why not, right? He's got them there. Uh, number one, he says practice the presence of God. It really does start your weeks is tapping into something, learning to practice the presence of God daily. There's books written with this title, Practicing the Presence of God, learning to listen, to tap into what's going on, to be aware, to be open, to be used. It starts there, but it, that ushers in a ready for Sunday. Paul talks about this prayer without ceasing, this openness to what are you doing, God? What's happening here? I've had friends and mentors that talk about like doing something different, a, a, a tattoo somewhere where you're going to see it, a necklace that 
that you, when you feel it, it reminds you of something, a something that will remind you tangibly to wake you up, a phone alarm that goes off every hour that says, hey, don't forget to listen. And you are right back and reminded, of, man, this is a great time to listen. What's going on? What's God doing? Just tap again into that awe and reverence because it's there every moment. Be like, okay, you're here, you're with me. This is amazing. Life is beautiful. It doesn't matter. The stress that's happening around me, I can bring something to that. Light permeates darkness. It doesn't matter how crappy your week or your meeting or whatever is going on at work. Light permeates darkness. A flashlight will never be overtaken by the darkness in a room. We shine from tapping into this. We see something different. And what God's doing and what needs to happen starts to become illuminated, but it's remembering that. It's turning that on. It's, it's getting back into that flow. Two, he says, prepare yourself for Sunday gatherings. Really prepare. Like, what does your Sunday morning look like? What does Saturday night look like? You just, is there anything to it? Now, this is part of this practice. Like, I have got me a routine. Like, Sunday morning, Saturday... My Sunday morning is pretty much like every morning. I've got a very structured morning routine that gets me really into this place for my day. And if I don't, Amy knows, like, right away. Like, what did you do different this morning? Like, you are not the same person without that, like, just centering my life on this. But I don't... I, I will not go to bed late on a Saturday night. I can't be exhausted. I could make fantastic money bartending Saturday nights, but I'm always like, no, there's no Saturday nights. I can't get home at one and then uh, expect to show up. Even if I'm not teaching, like I'm coming and bringing something. Each of us are. And if we're all in this place that says, man, I'm, I'm getting up and I am starting the fires of this expectancy. I'm starting my prayers towards something's going to happen this morning. I'm excited to be a part of this. Touch me, God, but help to use me with someone else. If we're all doing this, can you imagine... How much better each week as we practice this Sunday morning would feel, look, act. I don't know why I'm going to that. Uh, preparing it, there's also this uh, letting go of distractions in your life, letting go of the I, and, and starting to think about God as a as a we, all of us and God, Sunday morning, Saturday nights, like starting to get your focus up, just me and God. And what do we and God start to need? Um, and there's this submission to one another. Like, I'm coming here to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're the gathering of the saints. We're not a bunch of people that gather to listen to me speak. It's we're gathering together to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm here to equip you to do the ministry of grace and love of Jesus. To equip you to do it. I'm not even supposed to do it. I'm doing my job wrong if I'm doing it. And so... That's why these disciplines, we talk about it, we do these things. Cultivate a holy dependency. I think it's, again, it's this, this coming and being like, you know what, it doesn't matter if we screw everything up this morning because I'm dependent on God to do it. I'm expecting God to have results, and that does not, God's results are not dependent on us doing things just right. That's what grace is all about. So let's not put that on a Sunday gathering. Let's not put that if you invite people over to have a, a campfire in your backyard and it just goes crazy. Trust be dependent that God is still doing things, and out of the chaos, something beautiful will happen. I swear to you, my most ill-prepared Sunday mornings, where I'm even feeling guilty, like, man, how did I let this week go by like this? I don't know what happened. Like, God, I need you. Like, I'm really dependent then. Like, this, you got to shake this stuff up. Like, this has got to come out right. And I, even through it, at the end, I'm like, ooh, I definitely could sense that that was not par. That was not my normal. 
And I'll hear more comments those days of, man, that something happened. God was amazing. Now, it doesn't mean that, yeah, let's just completely mess up all the time. But it shows me it when you really start to rely and depend on God, what happens. And when I'm really prepared, am I so prepared that I'm just cruising and I'm relying on Luke? Oh, I got this. Got my stuff together. I'm way ahead of time. I'm in the zone. I'm feeling it. I got my tunes on as I'm riding in. I do crap like that. Um, absorb distractions with gratitude. I think this one's huge for us. I think this is, we've gotten to such a place where, oh, I got distracted. And we just, we let the distraction be the excuse of like, yeah, I'm just going to stay distracted instead of learning to be like, yep, yeah, I'm going to let that go. We used to, we have kids' room now. Thank God for kids' room. But we used to have them in the room with us. When kids cry, we should be thankful that we've got a, a, a roof over our heads where we can hear children among us. If someone is singing next to you and they sound like a cow having a baby, be thankful that they are free to open their mouth and to worship that way. If we've got musicians that are out of key and out of beat, like we've got, we got musicians. Like, thank God we got musicians. Learn to absorb distractions and be like, you know what? God's among us. Something beautiful is happening here. Um, learn to offer the sacrifice of worship. This is that one part where, even if you're not feeling it Sunday morning, you show up and you're like, I'm going to be willing to be used. Even if you're not feeling it when the music's playing, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to be a part of this. And I'm going to trust that God's not just going to take me, but my voice entering into this is going to take all of us into that place of unity, that fusing of I with us. We become a we together. Many times we don't feel like it. We don't feel like worshiping. We don't feel like trying to pray or be a part of even a Sunday. And not saying that you can't sleep in Sunday. There's going to be times where, you know what? Bloom's a place where you have freedom for that. But what if, especially the next six weeks, what if we tried practicing this stuff for real? And no matter how crappy Saturday night was, we're like, I'm, I'm going. I am going to practice this discipline and see what happens. Because I can tell you the times when you go, especially unwilling, but you're tapping in like God just... This is a sacrifice, but I'm trusting you. I have I've seen my life just turn completely around. My atmosphere, my just everything about me changes. Um, we need to be able to show up, no matter how different we are, and say, these are my people. This is my community. This is my family, my brothers, my sisters, my mom, my dad, my kids. Not just a Kuwitz kid or... Matt and Lindsay's kids, they're our kids together. We're a part of this. And we, we need to say, no matter how screwed up we are, no matter how bad this last week has been, we're still together. And this is that God's doing something among us. Isaac Pendleton has this quote that I grabbed. It says, when people are gathered for genuine worship together, they're like a heap of fresh and burning coals warming one another. And there's a great strength of life that flows into every single person who's there. Whether you realize it or not, it's still flowing into you. So go, try it, show up on a Sunday or a mixer or the soccer game or whatever we got going on. Go being dependent on God. Go trusting that something greater is going to happen. Go trusting that because there's more of us, there's more coals, there's more logs, that, that something is going to be experienced more. We become together what we could not be alone. We always have that soup analogy where this pot of soup, we were just talking about this yesterday, Jerry and I were hanging out. 
And yeah, when, when it was two of us, the, the soup's got two ingredients. And yeah, maybe it's simple, but it tastes good. But each and every one of us who shows up, we bring our flavor. And the soup completely changes, but it gets richer. It has a more depth to it. There's something that's going on. So I invite you to jump in the soup, add your flavor, see what God's doing. Let's pray, and then we will go to discussion. Jesus, we just thank you, and we trust you. We are dependent on you, and put our expectations out there. That even today, during our discussion right now, during our time of singing and worshiping together, that we will experience healing. We will experience your presence in a new way. We will experience a unity that's even a little better than the unity we experienced gathering together last week. We entrust you with this. We thank you that as we practice this and are reminded to practice this, that we find ourselves more and more and more in this place of worship, which is this awe and reverence of how good and amazing you are. In Jesus' name.